Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. It's wonderful to just uh, be with you in this live webcast, and I trust that you're going to be deeply blessed by the message that I have on my heart for you today. Today I was thinking of speaking on a message that I, I wonder if I've preached once or twice on it in web church ever, uh, but I want to talk about sowing and reaping. I've got a book called Jesus is the Tithe, for those of you that, um, that don't know about it, and in that book, uh, <coughs> I've got a chapter that just explains all of this in depth. And uh, talking about sowing and reaping is important for me because uh, when we look at Paul and his writings, we find that Paul had a passion in his heart for people to stay in the message of grace. And I do believe that a lot of people, and I think most people in Web Church, do, um, do not ha follow the principle of sowing and reaping in the sense of giving money in order to work a sp spiritual principle to have uh, more money. Yet I think that there are many of your friends and people that you know that you can share this link with and that it can really benefit them. And as I teach upon this, I know it will encourage your heart and just strengthen what you believe in your heart. And then you will also start to understand what Paul was trying to say. You know, there's a place uh, wherein people that get out of grace are actually in rebellion against another system, where we would simply just be against sowing and reaping, but not understand what Paul was actually communicating in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to look at sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping from 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, where the scripture clearly says that if you uh, sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And many people had questions about that. And then also in Ephesians, where it talks about, uh, I mean in Galatians, where it talks about uh, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. And God is not marked whatsoever a man sow, that he will reap. Now, we want to understand this in its true context, because what Paul was saying in all of his writings is that the moment you get legalistic, the moment you get under the law, then you'll start to experience what is called the fading glory. Now, you will find testimony upon testimony of people that say, you know, they've started to sow and it worked. But if you ask them how it works for them in the long run, you will find that in the beginning when they did it, they found some miracles take place. But then towards the end, it's like, well, I've sown now and now it doesn't work anymore. What's wrong now? Now you need to name the seed, you need to water the seed, you need to... <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that you need to do in order to get the thing to work. And that is all just signs of the fading glory. And that is what the Bible talks about when, um, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, where Paul wrote to the people and said that the, 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 the glory, there was glory on the face of Moses, and the glory that was on the face of Moses of, was of... of was of such a sort that he had to have a veil over his face to, uh, because people were afraid of it. I mean, imagine you speak to somebody whose face shines like one of these studio lights. I mean, that's crazy. You can use him for a video broadcast, you know. So uh, imagine 
somebody's face shines like that, it, it would be difficult to just have a normal conversation with a guy or to have a cup of coffee or tea and fellowship with him. He will have to cover his face and then speak. And that was, was also a type and a shadow of what was happening, um, you know, in, in the law system. It was a fading glory. It was not a glory that would be forever. It was to be done away with. And then a more, a, a greater, an exceeding glory would come. So, under the, and this is the problem with the fading glory, is you get involved in it and it works for a while and then it fades and you experience death and you experience fading away, you experience corruption, you experience the death that goes with it. Now, I don't believe in sowing and reaping as a system wherein we put seed in the ground and then wait for God to prosper us. And uh, then because we have done a good work, we can now expect a harvest from that. And because I have given to God, I've actually lended money to God. Now he's somehow in his kingdom multiplying it and getting more money back to me. And then I follow that principle. And in that principle, I've got surety of my future and that I will definitely have. Uh, so let us just go and look at the passage because... You might say, but Bertie, it's written there, you know, that we should be, um, <clears throat> every man should give according to what is in his heart and that he should know that whatsoever. I mean, it is written out right there. It's, it's written right there that whatsoever a man sow that he will reap and that uh, he who gives sparingly shall reap sparingly. It's written right there like that in the context of money. So what does that mean? Now I want to start off by going to... Okay, this is what I want to say. First, it's an introduction. Let's stick to the point. <clears throat> we need to know that should we get into legalism and law in area, any area of our life, it will produce death in us. That's what it will produce. It will produce hurt. It will produce pain. It will produce forms of destruction and all those kind of things. Why? Because by the law, no flesh shall be justified. That is what it says. That which is just and right towards humanity can never and will never manifest in man by the law. So we cannot follow a law principle when it comes to finances. We cannot follow a law principle when it comes to sowing, reaping and so forth. And we also want to be free from the law and we want to be free from the old in a way wherein we are not trying to rebel against the old system, where we are not so much against the old that we have all, all the time have the abuse in our heart of what has happened in the past and then from there we want to construct our lives because that will also destroy your life. That will also not be good. That is also not God's way of doing. Now, um, with that in mind, we're going to look at Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia, how that in great trial of their affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired, um, we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So he is talking about a grace here. 
he's talking about a divine influence upon the heart. And the setting of this whole thing in 2 Corinthians is actually the poor churches in Macedonia and a promise that the churches in Corinth have made. Now, it is important for us to understand the context. Uh, you know, many times people say, ah, oh, well, we don't worry about theology, we don't worry about context, we just take it as it's written. Now, I mean, what about the scripture that says, and Judas went and hanged himself? Does that mean you must now go and hang yourself? No, it doesn't mean that. You know, um, if, if, if you are about to do something that is uh, detrimental to you and you're busy standing with a knife in your hand and you want to kill someone, you think of a scripture and the scripture says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Does that mean you must now go and kill someone? No. Uh, we need to look at Scripture in its context, in the setting. In, we need to get right into the heart of Paul and understand what he was thinking, what the problem was that he was addressing, and all those kind of things to actually see what that passage says. Now, to some folk, uh, it might feel that the moment we want to bring the whole setting thing in and we want to bring the history in, that we're trying to deceive or we're trying to take away from the power of what is written there. But that's not what we want to do. What I want to do is I want to explain to you what Paul actually just simply tried to say. And when we see truth and when we see it in its true context, it is beautiful and it's powerful and it is life-changing. That is what it's all about. So here we come and we see the first part of or the first foundation or building block on what Paul means by sowing and reaping is the poor churches in Macedonia. Now he went and visited Macedonia and when he visited Macedonia he actually testified about the promise that the church in Corinth made. The church in Corinth was so touched by the goodness of God and they loved the saints which were the um, in this case, we're talking about the Jewish church, the people that were in Jerusalem. They loved them so much and they were so grateful for the gospel that came from there to them that they felt that when the, there was a, 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 a famine and poverty in that area, that they felt, let us give to the, the, uh, the poor church, the poor churches or the, the, in Jerusalem. The people were going through a very difficult time. And when they said this, Paul in his excitement went and uh, people went and they spoke to the churches in Macedonia which were very poor and they said, you know what, we want to testify of what God has actually done in the church in Corinth and they have promised that they are going to give towards uh, this the, uh, towards Jerusalem. And when the poor church in Macedonia heard this, then they said, we're also in on this giving. We also want to give. And then the poor church in Macedonia, Paul actually didn't want them to give. It was kind of, listen guys, you are too poor. You can't give. And this is the setting of 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to read this to you again and see if you can hear what the scripture says and where it's written here. This is what it says. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia, how that in great trial of their affliction, because they were also afflicted, they were poor, these, these churches in Macedonia, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now what it actually says here is, he says here that these people were so poor, 
Yet, the riches of and the greatness of their freedom, the greatness of their joy, actually abounded and came into manifestation on how free they really are in the midst of their difficult time. Because in the midst of a difficult time, these people... Um, According to verse 3, it says, For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So what this says, and I mean, <clears throat> it's written in a very difficult way, if I must be honest. That's why it's sometimes needed to study things and go into the history and look at things. But what he was actually saying here is very simply this. These guys were so poor and in the midst of their poverty, their liberality, how they've been set free from the power of worldly things, how they've been set free from the world's way of thinking, how they've been set free of selfishness and how they've started to love all people. Now you must remember this is a great thing for the Apostle Paul because here are Gentile people loving on Jews. That to him is a very big thing. It's like, my goodness, look at the greatness of the grace of God. Remember, Paul, when he thinks of grace, he thinks of the influence of God on humanity wherein he wherein Christ ended separation in uh, between the devastating, how can I say, um, unglorious life we were living and the glorious life God has. He ended separation between that as well as separation between Jew and Gentile and brought unity. And when this message is preached and people really believe the truth about it, the first sign that there was of them believing the truth was that these people across the the separation line, which was Jew and Gentile, started to love on one another. And here, this grace of God and the influence of God was so greatly on the poor churches in Macedonia that they felt that they want to give to other poor people, and they did this begging the apostles to take what they want to give. They begged them, please, can we? Give And then the apostles was like, they didn't want that. They, didn't, they weren't there for that purpose. They didn't try to get an offering from, uh, the, the, um, from the people. You know, these days we've got this thing that, you know, you listen to a message and you must, or you, you buy the things and there's money involved in everything. It's, imagine the apostle Paul saying to people, listen, you know, I've written the letter to the Corinthians and I go to the Corinthian church and whosoever gives a denarii, you know, you can read the letter to him. <laughs> and if he then gives money to my ministry, then he's going to have a double portion and a blessing. And it was never like that. That was not in the heart of Paul when he was writing and setting this whole thing up about sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly. The context was something completely different. So here was <coughs> poor people really excited to give towards the poor churches in, 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 in uh, Jerusalem, and their giving was sparked by the rich church in Corinth, because Corinth made a promise, we're going to give. And so they said, Paul, you guys come again later, we're just going to get everything together, and we're going to give greatly, and we're going to bless these people. And then Paul came and testified about the rich church and what they're going to do, not hinting. I mean, Paul wasn't exercising the gift of hints. 
All that Paul was doing is he was simply testifying. <laughs> Amen. That's all he was doing. And as he was testifying, then these people, they felt the Spirit of God. They felt the liberation from finding their identity in their own uh, in stuff and finding their identity in how much they have for the future and all those kind of things. And they, they felt the love of God wherein they can say, we can even become poorer so that others can be blessed. We don't care. That's what they felt. And that was called by Paul the grace of God. <clears throat> now, the problem, and we're going to read that in the next chapter, is the problem is that this Paul was now sending Titus with these gifts from the poor churches in Macedonia now to Jerusalem and some of these Macedonians. I think Paul was thinking to himself, my goodness, why are these Macedonians like that? Because these Macedonians, they don't just want to give some stuff. They want to come with. They want to go with via Corinth to pick up the stuff that the Corinthians now gave. And then they're going to go with these ox wagon or whatever it would be. They're going to now go to the mother church and they're going to bless these people. That's what it was all about. Now Paul was sitting with a, a mathematical calculation. He was thinking of relationships and he was thinking of, oh my goodness, this church in Corinth has promised a year ago and then we've never heard of them again. I've seen that in ministry many times and many preachers will be able to, to, to testify of that. People can make a promise and that might be the end of the friendship. Because they've made a promise. You never said they must say give anything. You never, they make a promise and then... They were in the, in the spur of the moment. They were happy and they wanted to do it. They felt the unction of the Holy Spirit. And then afterwards they went and started to calculate and think and get into the normal things of the world. And then they don't want to give anymore. And now guilt grabs their heart and now they don't want to give. And now Paul sits in this situation wherein he has to quickly send a letter ahead of time to the church in Corinth to tell them, listen, get the stuff you promised ready. But please, get it ready according to the free freedom that is in your heart and not out of compulsion. Go back and look back at the freedom that there was in your heart and then from there you give. Now, the problem that Paul had with this, in this whole thing was, what if these poor churches that are excited about God, excited about the gospel, get to the rich church in Corinth and now these people don't, I mean, they even give less than the poor. It would be a problem. It would be, guys, you promised our giving was actually sparked out of your promise, and now you've got nothing. <laughs> so Paul was sitting with a dilemma. He didn't want division in the church. He didn't want gossip in the church. He didn't want, uh, he didn't want stories. He wanted the church in Corinth, which, which was in high esteem in the eyes of the poor churches in Macedonia to keep that esteem. And then obviously this promise came to the people in Jerusalem. And these people are expecting things. And now nothing is happening. So now a very bad message, a bad word can be going out about the church in Corinth. And if you go and study out the writings of Paul, it was very important to Paul what is said about the church. 
He wanted the message about the church to be a message of the glory of God and the power of God and the good fruit that God brings forth. That's what he said. That's why he says that some of these bad things should not even be named among you. So he wanted a good report of the church. So the, in, in that light, he is writing. Now, let us just read on a little bit more. And we look at this grace. Because he says, this grace of being generous was on the poor churches in Macedonia. And now he writes here um, from, let me pick it up from verse 4. He says, praying us, this is the poor church in Macedonia, that grace came over them. And when grace came over them, they were generous. They were enabled by the Holy Spirit. They were enabled by God. They didn't sow to get money. They weren't thinking, oh my goodness, we are now so poor. And Jerusalem, you know, is the mother church and that is good ground. So let us sow into good ground and then we're going to have a, hundred, a hundredfold harvest and that. No. They were just thinking, even if we become poorer, it's okay. We want to help people. And isn't that much more beautiful? Amen. It's because there's no selfishness in it. It's exactly like Jesus was. And then verse 4 says, he says, praying us with much entreaty. This is the poor churches. Praying us, begging us with much entreaty. So they were really going at it, begging Paul with all power to take what they want to give. And Paul said, no, I can't take this from you. You guys are too poor. And they said, we want to give. praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So he says they gave and was, we weren't going there hoping that they would give. He says they did this not as we, not, not, not as we hoped. In other words, they didn't give this money and we didn't go there hoping they would give something to the poor. And then just for some preachers watching, you know, don't go and preach at a church hoping for money. And it, it is not the way it's supposed to be. Go, if you want to hope for something, have a confident expectation that the gospel will be preached and that you will communicate the gospel accurately by the power of God and by the goodness of God and, by the, and that you can see the, the life of God coming to people. And then the only thing we can know is that we will live off the gospel. This truth we preach and the God that raised Jesus from the dead, He is our provider. And that is all. Amen. It says, it says that they... Um, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave them their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. In other words, this grace that got the poor churches in Macedonia to actually give was already upon the churches in Corinth, but it was not finished. In other words, it was already a desire in the heart, but it didn't come into manifestation. And now he says he's sending Titus to them to finish this grace. In other words, the grace that was started in you, we're now coming to collect the stuff. That is what he's saying. Because you promised it. Amen. Then in verse 7, Therefore, as you abounded in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So what is this grace called? It is giving. 
So this grace, Paul never went to the church in Corinth and told them you must give to the poor church in, in uh, Jerusalem. He never went, he never hoped for them to give. He never hoped for the poor church in Macedonia to give. It was something that God started in their heart. And when God started in their heart, Paul was happy. He testified to the poor churches in Macedonia when he visited them. That same grace sparked into the poor churches in Macedonia's heart. Their, church, their grace was completed. They gave and now they want to go and they want to go with Titus and they want to give the stuff. They're going to go to Jerusalem but Jerusalem's grace was not completed yet because they have still not given the stuff and it's already a year. Now listen to what he says. I speak not by commandment but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So what he's saying here is he says, listen guys, I'm not, this is not a commandment that you must give to those poor churches. It's not a commandment. But I cannot but speak to you because this, this uh, um, forwardness of the poor churches in Macedonia forces me to address this. That is what he's saying. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, yet for, your, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be, might be made rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only, not only to do, but also to be forwarded a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man has, and not according to what he does not have. For I mean, not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply to their want, and that their abundance also may be a supply to your want, that there may be equality. So what he's saying is, is <coughs> the poor churches in Macedonia don't have a lot of money, but they gave. And let what they have done encourage you who has a lot of money, who are poor in giving, but you've I'm not commanding you to do this. This is something that you decided by the power of the Holy Spirit that sparked something in you to do it and that I want you to be completed. So now you've got a lot of stuff, but you're very poor in the giving. In other words, the people that are poor, that are poor in the stuff but rich in the giving, I want equality to be there. So look at what they have done. Look at the good and also look at Jesus where this grace that was grabbing a hold of you was also on him, where he was willing to become poor so that others might become rich. It's a godly thing. It's something that's from God. You can see Paul here. He wants to encourage the church in Corinth, and he wants to save them. He wants to save them from a bad report. He wants them to, to that there be a good word about them. So they have no fruit, the church in Corinth, as pertaining to giving. Now, again, <clears throat> Paul wasn't going around to churches hoping for them to give. What gives Paul the boldness is the fact that he didn't hint on anything, but that it was a willingness in their own heart, and it was sparked in them by God that brought it forth in their heart, and now fear grabbed the whole of their heart, and now he's encouraging them and saying to them, listen, you wanted to give back then. 
Maybe you felt you want to give a house or three houses or whatever you want to give. Let me just help you because something is keeping you away from this giving. And I want you to know that this giving is not out of what a person doesn't have. It is out of what you do have. So you failed to give. Now you don't know how much you need to give. You don't know how this giving needs to take place. All you do is you go and you look at what God has given you and out of what you do have. The idea is not to be burdened. Although the, peop the poor churches are burdened by this giving, but we have actually told them not to do it that way, but they are so on fire that we cannot but help it. And they begged us. And we can only testify of the power of this grace. And that grace is on you. But let's know it's not according to what you do not have, but according to what you do have. <coughs> let's read on. I think let's go to chapter 9, because if I go through the whole of chapter 8, we're going to run out of time. Chapter 9, and, uh, and I want to read from verse 1. It says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me, or it's great for me, to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, in other words, you wanted to do this, of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. So what is he saying here? He says, listen, it's right for me to write to you about this giving. Why? Because your zeal to give to the poor churches has gotten Achaia already to have their gift ready a year ago. So you promised, and another church was already, their stuff is waiting there in a room somewhere, already for a year. It's already rotting. And their giving was, or was started by you. So it's only right for me to write to you. Can you see how Paul is not into sowing and reaping, trying to get them to prosper, trying to get them to have a lot of money, and now, you know, be the head, not the tail, drive a Bentley and fly a jet. You can see Paul is not into that. He is into helping people. You can see the father heart of Paul. The, 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 the care with which he addresses this, that people will not be offended because of money and that they will not think that he's in the thing for money, for he is not. That, he, that, that he's just helping them and like a good father, helping them and guiding them in their giving so that it can be something that continues out of something that God has birthed and not fear and anxiety and hurt. Because people can be so quickly hurt about, uh, you know, when it comes to money. It's like if somebody, if you, if somebody borrows $100 from you and he can't give it back. Now, guilt in his heart, what, what do you think is it going to cause? It's going to cause division. All of a sudden, the guy that you gave the $100 to, like my uncle said, he says he doesn't borrow money, I think he used this as, as an escape, but this is what he said. He says he doesn't borrow money to people, he'd rather have them be his enemy because he didn't want to borrow them the money than borrowing in the money and then they don't give it back and then they are enemies. You know, so he'd rather have the hundred dollars and an enemy than not have the hundred dollars and an enemy. You know, so... <laughs> So Paul comes and he, you must remember, if you go and study my, my course on Ephesians, go to my website and just go and look at my walk through Ephesians, you will see how important it was for Paul to talk about unity 
oneness in the body and not division. And that is the heart that Paul comes with. And he doesn't want the church in Corinth to be hurt about money. He doesn't want them to live in guilt because they've promised and now they haven't performed and now gossip starts in the church. He doesn't want any of that. And that is the purity wherewith he comes and with, wherewith he addresses this. <clears throat> Verse 4. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you. In other words, he says, now we've sent brethren to you beforehand with this letter that we're reading now in hand, giving it to the poor church or to the rich church in Corinth. He says, yet have I sent brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I have said, you may be ready, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof you had noticed before that the same thing might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But I say, he would sow sparingly, shall reap sparingly, and he would soweth bountifully, shall reap bountifully. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness." Okay, <clears throat> that is very important to understand. The whole passage up to verse, verse, verse 10, the last part of verse 10, it finds its context and its punch in the end of verse 10 where it says, increase the fruit of your righteousness. Now, this is what he's saying. He's saying, <clears throat> he says, listen, we are sending people beforehand. I mean, the churches in Macedonia are going to come with me, and then we're going to get the stuff. But we don't want to come there, like the message says, stand red-faced staring at one another. You know, so we don't want to come there and be ashamed on your behalf for you actually not having anything, and all this was sparked out of your promise, and now you've got nothing. You thought I made it up. Here it's written. Now he says, should you let this be not a matter of covetousness, in other words, how can I get more, how can I keep more, but a matter of generosity as God has put it in your heart from the beginning, not doing more than what you felt in the beginning, just do that. And don't, under pressure or anything like that, just do it. And what is the context? The context is what these people will think of the church in Corinth and what, they, what will go out about them. What is the message about the rich church? That is the context and the blessing that the poor churches in Jerusalem will receive. That is the context, how, how much gratitude there will be in the heart of Paul and the heart of the people that receive this gift. That's the context. So he goes on and he says, but remember, 
He who gives sparingly will reap sparingly. But what is the context of the reaping? The reaping is here, or the increase. Okay, when you sow something, then that thing increases. What is the increase that they will have? The increase is already written. It doesn't say they're going to receive more money. What it says here is, it says that God by His grace is able, let's read verse uh, Verse 10, now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiply or increase your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So what is the fruit of their righteousness? It is the effect that their righteous deed will have on those to whom they will give, and those who was sparked to give by hearing about their generosity. So what he says is, if you now, if we come and you give sparingly, in other words, you've made a promise, and the promise you've made was of such a sort that it sparked giving in these others, and now we come to you and you give a little bit, you know what, these people are going to like, hmm, you know, yeah, <laughs> Okay, is this what they gave? We poor people gave more. But if they give just out of the abundance, not of necessity, not out of covetousness, coveting things, but simply as God puts in their heart and as grace enables them. And this is what he says, God's grace will make it possible for you to give and to bring things your way and to provide for you that you will be able to do this. Let me give you an example. I wanted to have a, a TV station wherein I could preach the gospel and provide airtime for people to preach on this station without paying. Now, every station I preach on costs me money. Every TV station, I, I mean, the, 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 the cheapest one is $800 for four sessions. The, I mean, some of the stations are very expensive. I don't even want to mention the prices, but they are very expensive to preach there. But I had a desire in my heart, and I felt that if I have a station, the broadcasters will broadcast there for free. That's what I wanted. Now, I didn't have the ability, but I had that. And imagine I've told that to people. And now I have a station. What will I have to do? that's it, let me stick to what God started in my heart, and that's what I wanted to do. But guess what? I, I just made it to pay airtime for stations. What about having my own station? What about now giving airtime for free? You know, airtime in South Africa for just a local station, well, just co covering South Africa, um, is about $30,000, $35,000 a month. So where are you going to get the $35,000 from? The broadcasters will normally give the money. But it worked out, in my case, by the grace of God, God made it possible that the desire that was graced in me to do it, that it was made possible. And a TV company came and said they want a gospel channel, and it worked out that a, a friend of mine, Core Ace, and myself, we are now the managers of this station, and we're managing this for a television station, um, for a, a, a satellite company, and we decide everything about that. And guess what? They gave us all the airtime for free. And now we can give that airtime for free. Isn't that awesome? So God's grace has enabled me, and I think this is what this passage means. 
Now God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to this good work. That's what he says. He says, listen, if you've got a willing heart and you just say, I want to follow what was started in my heart, then you will find the grace of God enabling you to do that. And then where you are now poor in good works, but rich in money because the church in Corinth was rich, you will now be rich in good works also. And this giving, in other words, the fact that this righteousness that started in you and that it is, flows out, out now that it may abound, to th this fruit of your righteousness may abound now to your account. In other words, behind the word about the church in Corinth will then be said that they look at the generosity and what God has brought forth. That is all that Paul is addressing here. And now, in, and, and the sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully and sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly, the context is the fruit of your righteousness. In other words, the effect of your good work. What he's saying is, if you give bountifully, the effect of this good work will be great on people that has different churches that started this thing because you promised it. And that is it. Now he goes on and he explains it, and, and this is the last passage in this one, then we're going to go to Galatians there. He says, Now the he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiply the seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So he says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food. In other words, he that gives seed to the sower, that seed to the sower becomes bread on your table. In other words, and he's using that to say, God is giving you this financial, this, this desire to give, plus, I mean, he was talking to people that do have a lot, plus he's given you the stuff, and this stuff that you have, plus the grace of God that started the giving, it was not by Paul begging it, or trying to get the church in Corinth richer by giving more money, he, was, he says, this thing, as you give this, as what seed become food, this giving will become fruit of righteousness behind your name. That is all it is. Not fruit of righteousness behind your name in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of the people. That is all that he was addressing. And if you want to read this in depth, I've got it much more in depth in my book, uh, Jesus is a Tithe. Get that, it's for free. Go to dynamicministries.com, go to support, and under support you'll find buy books, and you'll be able to download it in e-format there for free, and you can read more on that. So, in conclusion, what Paul was simply saying is, you promise something, and people reacted to that promise, they started to give, they are physically poor, but very rich in generosity and in good fruit, and you, in Corinth, you are rich, but... And you've, God has started the very same thing that's in the poor churches in your hearts, but you're still poor in the area of fruit. So as you follow this grace in your heart and you understand the situation and simply go to God, not according to what you do not have, but according to what you have, you will find that this grace will bring forth to you what you should give or what you want to give, and it will also enable you, like I testified with this TV station, to actually do what you've, you felt in the beginning. And then as you do that, you will be rich in good works. So what they will reap 
is the reward of actually walking in the love of God, walking in the generosity of God, and have the good fruit of generosity manifest in their lives. That's what they reap. What they will be reaping is praise in the hearts of people. Let, us, let me just continue to read one or two verses there more. It says, <clears throat> Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. In other words, as they give, what will it cause? What will be reaped? Thanksgiving in the heart of Paul to God. So what will they reap when they give that money? They will reap and what they will see is the joy and gratitude in the heart of Paul and in the heart of the church in Jerusalem and the happiness in the heart of the poor churches in Macedonia as they do this thing together. That is the context there. For the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, out, um, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. So what he says here, what is the abundance or the multiplication or the reaping? The reaping is that they will see how the needs of the saints are met and they will also, what they will reap is to see praise in the hearts of those who receive the gift towards God, thanking God. Now I want to tell you, in my, in my life, all the giving that I've done, there was times when I was giving from sowing and reaping principle. Uh, man, I need a couch. I need a TV. I need a car. And then I would sow and I would name the seed and I would whatever. And then I would take the scripture and say, oh God, I don't want to just give sparingly because I'm already poor enough. I don't want this giving to make me poorer. So I'm going to give bountifully. And then I would give out of stress because in my heart I actually have to confess positive and try and keep my mind together by quoting scriptures not to live in fear, to give. And I gave that way. And you know what? That's not God's way of giving. That's not what God has in mind for us. That's not what is dreamt. But as the grace of God has worked in me and I felt a love for people and I would maybe give a car to someone. And I see that gratitude on that person's heart. Tears rolling down his face. Him putting his hands in the air. A person that doesn't do that. And put his hands in the air. Thanking God. Saying, you know what? Never in my life have somebody ever given something like this. All my life I've always worked for everything. And I just feel the love of God. And I'm grateful to God. And when I see that, you know that I have reaped. I have sown whatever I sown. My sowing was the grace of God worked in me. The nature of God worked in me. I felt the love and compassion of God and I did give. And I saw this man that did, don't have a car. Now he's got his own car. He's free from manipulation from people that would manipulate him um, concerning uh, vehicles and those kind of things. <clears throat> he can live his own life now. He can be a free person. And I see the gratitude that is in his heart and I have now experienced what it is to have the grace of Jesus in my life, which is, although he was rich, he became poor, so that, he that, so that those who are poor can become rich. And I find that, and I find how I am enriched with good works in my life. And what a glorious life. And when it comes to provision and the future, I mean, it was not even in the equation. If you want to ask me, so Berti, what about tomorrow and the week after? I was just saying, I've got an Abba. I've got a Father that provides for me. Amen. Well, if you don't enjoy my preaching, I enjoy it myself. Um, let's go to 
What was that scripture? What's Galatians? I said, Galatians 6, verse 8, I think it is. <coughs> uh, now, again, Galatians. What Galatians, the context of Galatians is, is, is Gentile people that are now influenced by the Jews to become circumcised. I mean, Paul was so frustrated that when he addressed us, he said the most sarcastic thing, I think, written in the New Testament. And he was so frustrated that he actually said that I hope these Jews that want you circumcised go all the way and cut everything off. That is exactly what Paul said. Now, I mean, you can be upset with that, then, you, then the Bible offends you. And what then the Apostle Paul has offended you in his writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That was how far Paul went. That is the frustration wherewith he wrote. And then if you go to chapter 5, he says, do you want to... Um, let's first go to chapter 3. Chapter 3. He says in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, now that you want to... I mean, falling back under the law. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified amongst you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So it says, the Spirit that brings life to you, that you receive it by the works of the law or the hearing of faith. So there's two things, the law and faith. Now listen to verse 3, because verse 3 now explains verse 2, and it defines what the law is. It says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, which is faith, are you now made perfect by the flesh, or the law? So, how do you give towards your flesh? Flesh would be, and the context here is circumcision in the flesh, and to give yourself to the teacher's of the flesh, which was these Judaizers. And now, with that in mind, we go to Galatians 5, and I want to read from verse 19. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think it's 19. Let me get it. <clears throat> verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, or the lust of walking in the law. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the thing that you would. That should be read in context with Romans 7, where Paul says, when I'm under the law, the good that I want to do, I can't do it. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I do. But Christ can redeem me from this. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law, or in the flesh. Now the works of the flesh, now when are you in the flesh? He says, remember, you've started in the spirit, your Christian walk. Do you now want to be made perfect by the flesh or the Judaizers taking you back to the law system? He says, now the works of going back under the law system is the manifestation of the fruit of the flesh. In other words, giving yourself to the law system is actually giving yourself to the flesh, wherein the flesh must now complete what was started by grace. That's what he's saying. Now with that in mind, we go to Galatians 6. It says, Verse 
verse 6 says, let, let him that is taught in words communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Now, that was, uh, a, in, in the time, the church time there, it was a way of saying, if somebody ministers to you, if he preaches to you, become a partner with him. That partner doesn't talk about partnership like we've heard it all the time. That partnership simply talks about um, be a partaker of what they teach. In other words, if I come and I preach grace to you, be a partaker of that. Become a partner in that truth. Now, that partnership in the Greek word here, communicate there, also, it can imply financial giving as well. So in other words, what he was saying is, if somebody comes and teaches to you, receive him as a teacher. And should you feel in your heart to communicate to him in all good things, give, even support the guy. That is what he says. Because the Bible says you preach the gospel will live by the gospel. And Paul goes, and I don't have time for that, and he says it is a thing in the New Testament that there are people that feel generous and should they want to give to a preacher out of just the abundance or the grace of God in their heart that it's not wrong for that preacher to receive that money given that that would not be an offense to people. That is what Paul says. <clears throat> so he says, if there are people that teach, communicate to them in all good things. Receive them. Become a partner of what they teach. Embrace the teachers that come your way. But now listen, now the warning. He says, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. Don't mock the cross. He says, for whatsoever a man sow, that he shall reap. In other words, whatever you give to, so you feel in your heart an unction to give towards something. Whatever you give to, from that you will reap. He didn't say there, if you give a BMW, you're going to get a BMW. That's not what it says here. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall reap. And now he explains what it is. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Okay, so what is he saying? He's simply saying, I'm end off, ending over this. He's simply saying, listen, if you have a preacher that comes to you and he teaches, hear his teaching, embrace the teaching, but keep this in mind. If he teaches and you now start to give your life towards the flesh system, you start to support the flesh system, be it with your finances, and I think more importantly with your belief. If you start to believe what they teach about the flesh, and now you've started by the Spirit receiving it for free, and now you want to end by circumcision and following off the customs of Moses and principles and all those kind of things, if you give yourself to that now, from the flesh, from this human ability and this law system, you're going to reap corruption and you're going to be destroyed. And the corruption that you're going to reap when you start with that is mentioned in chapter 5. It is clear. It is called, um, why can't I find it now? 519. It is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. You'll find all those sort of things start to underlying in your heart. Jealousy, uh, hatred, strife, 
all those kind of things will start to build in your heart. Why? Because you are now giving yourself, you are now supporting the flesh or the law system again. So he wasn't saying, if you give money, you're going to have a big house. He was saying, listen, support the preacher, support what he teaches, honor the preacher that comes to serve you, and, and all those kind of things. But know this, should you give to a lawman, and you believe he's teaching, you're going to die. <laughs> That's what he says, he's going to destroy your life. That's what he was saying, whatsoever a man sows. So if you sow flesh... If you give towards the flesh, if your life supports the flesh, from that you will be destroyed. You know, Joseph Prince says it, and I'm going to say it again. The same thing, what he says, I'm just going to apply it towards me, and I've said it before. Don't listen to many preachers, man. In my case, you can say I'm arrogant. I don't want you to see it in the wrong light. Wrong light. But go to Dynamic Love Ministries and listen to the grace message. Listen to that message and don't listen to many others. And listen, I would say if you want to listen to someone else, go and listen to Greg Henry. You can go and listen to that guy and then there are some other people there that you can also listen to Donnie from Wake as well. You can listen to that guy. He preaches the good news. There are some folk out there that you can listen to. But don't go and fall around. You know, you find people, they don't want to study for themselves. They, when somebody comes with some form of a law teaching, breakthrough teaching or whatever, now you start to support that thing. Now from your flesh and your human ability, when you're supporting that thing now, you're, you're reaping destruction and you cannot understand why you struggle all day. That is what Paul was saying. Amen? So in conclusion, when you feel by the grace of God to do something, follow that in your heart. And that was, that's what, that was the only context of, of which, in which Paul was writing. And he was saying that this thing started in grace. Grace enables you to do what you found you wanted to do from the beginning, which is not out of obligation. And God loves it when you give cheerfully, not out of obligation. In other words, something that's born from His life and His freedom and, his, and everything. And what you would reap in doing that and in following that is people praising God and good fruit. You will experience what it is to have good fruit in your life, sharing in the very life of God. And then, don't give yourself to the law message. It will destroy your life. Amen and amen. Well, I've preached for 57 minutes, 23 seconds. I thought it was 30. Sorry for preaching so long, but what can I say? Uh, this is what was on my heart, and I wanted to share this. Thank you so much for watching this, and make sure to share this message with some folk. You know what? Nothing I want to say. Don't be afraid of some persecution. You know, when you get into persecution, this is how it works. You look at persecution, you say, Oh Lord, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want that. But when you get into it, then God strengthens you. And when you get into it and people come with their, Yes, but this, yes, but that. It grabs your heart and you're now going to study the scripture for answers to those things. And you're just going to get deeper into what you are in and you'll find the fruit of that thing manifest in your life. Don't be afraid of persecution. You know that Facebook page you have? It's a good place to share this. Right there. And some of three or four friends that you know don't believe this, those are the ones. You know, while I was preaching and that name came to your mind, I wish so and so, I wish so and so, that is, the, the, I believe, the Spirit of God telling you, send the thing that they can hear it. Amen.
Glory to God. Well, thank you so much for watching, and we will see you again then next week.